Welcome, ladies and gents, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. And today we are doing the X-Men featuring the end of the X-Men number 46, July 1968 issue titled The End of the X-Men, sort of. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend, the end. Not only is it the end of the X-Men, it's the X-Men featuring the end of the X-Men. Whoa, blew my mind. And not only is it just the end of the X-Men, sort of, I mean, it's just listed on the cover of the book, it's not actually in the book at all. This is probably the first comic book I've actually ever seen that doesn't say Stanley presents comic book title something 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 exclamation point. Well, presumably it would be the end of the X Men if it, if if someone had bothered. Yeah. All right. So uh, we got uh, the Juggernaut on the cover of this, and he's tearing apart this concrete X that's made up of X Men whom are I don't know nailed to the concrete or something. I feel like it's kind of their their mirrors inside of the X is like like those Superman mirrors from mm. Superman two. Oh, okay, that could be. And the Juggernaut, so the Juggernaut's got this X mirror on the X Men, but then he's like ripping it apart for a dramatic look. Yeah, that's pretty badass. I could go with that. Yeah. So let's do a little. Uh, let's do a quick little recap. The last time we left the Juggernaut. They had ventured inside of an amulet to get something, and then they sent Juggernaut to the Crimson Cosmos. No, they went inside the Crimson Cosmos to grab like a negative version of the bands of Sidorax or whatever, and then they brought it out into the real world. Wasn't that in the form of an amulet? Maybe. Oh, okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and uh, they had... And Juggernaut saw it, and he went to grab it, and as he grabbed it, he disappeared into the Crimson Cosmos forever! Never to be seen again. And then there was an alien guy, right? He was the... Was he... Did the alien guy have anything to do with Saturac, or was he just an alien guy that happened to want the amulet or something? He was guarding the Crimson Cosmos. His name was Zorak, the Outcast. Oh, but didn't he turn... Did he turn into Outcast? Didn't he change his name? Yeah, he changed his name from from Zorak to the Outcast because okay. he got tired of Zorak. So he wasn't Zorak the Outcast. He was the uh, Outcast formerly known as Zorak. Yes, I I combined them for brevity's sake, but hey, I guess that's <laughs> been blown off. <laughs> okay, well, let's. Uh, I, I guess that catches all of, all of us up. So this is going to be a fascinating episode uh, or issue, I should say. Uh, for two reasons. Uh, the first reason is because we've already done it once, but the audio was no good, so we had to throw it out. Boom. <laughs> and the other reason it's going to be awesome is it's going to be a tale of how the Juggernaut journeyed back from certain abyss within the Crimson Cosmos to make it back to our reality. Yay. <laughs> So, as we start off the comic book, as we mentioned, that has no title, 
We are joined by the X-Men who are standing outside of a uh, cemetery or near a gravestone, I should say. Uh, presumably it's the professors. Um, I guess we should note that it's written by Gary Friedrich, laid out by Don Heck, penciled by Werner Roth, inked by John Tartaglioni, and lettered by Artie Simic. This is, uh, this is the truth. This is the second Gary Friedrich issue? Yes, sir. Okay. Or second or third? I don't know. Okay. So, yeah, we're uh, Werner... Or, uh, who's our normal writer? Not Werner Roth. Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas is apparently, I don't know, doing Spider-Man or something. He's on hiatus doing... Didn't he write the Avengers issue we just did? Uh, he he did indeed, yeah. There you go. He's doing the Avengers. Okay. He said, give me on to a much more uh, popular book. Well, for all we know. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, I, guess, I guess the Avengers aren't going, the Avengers featuring Captain America! Yeah, with... As the X-Men are. Right, with Origins in the backup, so... Uh... <laughs> I think we can guess, if we do a little bit of research, that at this point the X-Men are probably suffering from waning sales, would be my guess. Well, anyways, uh, so as we go to the next page, uh, four of the five X-Men get their own panel uh, of them lamenting the professor. Um, They can't believe that he's gone, that they battled Magneto, and the professor wasn't there, stuff like that. Cyclops is talking about how all keeping the X-Men together is on his shoulders because he's the designated deputy leader. My question is this. If you're the deputy leader and the leader dies, aren't you now the leader and no longer the deputy leader? Unless you're Scott Summers, in which case you don't want to step up to the task. He just He's always going to be second in command to a dead guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Jean Grey, she's, oh, I can't believe it's like a horrible dream and I keep praying I'll wake up. Ah." She's deluding herself. She says, he was so young and so good. Yeah. Yeah, right. He was really old and half crazy. Uh, As we talked about, uh, the professor's been developing her psychic powers. And part of that development was to be like, Jean, I'm young. Jean, (laughs) I have hair. Jean, I have a barrel chest and you would like to touch it. (laughs) Professor. (laughs) <laughs> having these inappropriate thoughts about you. Really, do tell less. <laughs> and Iceman apparently does not care because he's just kind of standing off in the background. He's lonely. He mm. keeps his thoughts to himself. They're very dark, inappropriate for this age. <laughs> he, he's the youngest. He's literally sitting there like, man, I could go for a malt and some pinball. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking like death. Death surrounds me. It is the darkness that lives inside me. All I want to do is hurt things. <laughs> they felt that was, they couldn't show that in this comic. Yeah. But that's kind of the undertones that are going on here. There's a circle of rocks in the fifth panel around the professor's grave. I wonder if that's to keep the bad spirits in or out. <laughs> that's just to keep his negativity in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, we move on to the next page where a pair of feet enter the frame. Then he says, uh, whoever it is that he needs to talk to them as soon as possible. And then the X-Men are like, what? Can't you see we just want to be left alone? Uh, is Scott Summers wearing pajamas or pinstripe pants? I think that's Beast with the pinstripe pants. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, you're right. It yeah. is. 
It, those are pinstripe pants. He's wearing kind of like a half tuxedo with an overcoat. Hmm. Uh, and uh, Bobby, he, he uh, again, just kind of aloof, thinking about, you know, plucking uh, wings off of butterflies and such. <laughs> <laughs> and we turn the page, and, uh, well, Skyclops, he says that he recognizes him, and uh, we're told that this is Amos Duncan of the FBI. And he says, I thought you might remember me, Mr. Summers. Little asterisk point. I guess uh, we're, we're told here that uh, we, we would hope that Cyclops would remember him from the Cyclops' origin. Which, I got to ask you, Adam. I mean, I know that the origin story contained another fella. I think his name was Fred Duncan. Uh, yeah. Who, who talked with the professor and like kind of um, talked to the professor about or, or brought Cyclops brought Cyclops to the professor's attention and said, "We got to do something about this, Charlie. There's this mutant thing, but I think we might be able to do something about it. I don't think they're all evil." I better call my brother Amos. <laughs> so, um, I don't think we ever actually saw Cyclops meet Fred Duncan, let alone Amos Duncan. Yeah, Fred uh, or uh, Scott has never met a Duncan, as far as I know. Not only okay, so yeah, yeah, and and there's no way that this uh, could be a Fred Duncan or a typo or anything. This is literally a different Amos Duncan because Fred Duncan, if I recall, has brown hair, and this guy looks like he has orange hair or reddish orange. Maybe they're twin brothers with different colored hair. Huh. All right, I don't know. I got my eye on Mister Duncan. Anyhow, <laughs> he says it's urgent. You got to come with me. So. They all go and follow Mr. Amos Duncan. I can't promise we'll be very responsive, but at least we can make you comfortable. Angel's uh, also in the background saying, I wonder what's going on with the FBI and how does Scott know this person? So he's he's remaining a little skeptical. Guess we'll find out soon enough. <laughs> so they reach back to the X-Mansion and inside waiting for them is Foggy Nelson. So, Who's Foggy Nelson? Foggy Nelson, I believe, is of Nelson and Murdoch. You may know Mr. Murdoch as the Daredevil, who's also a lawyer. Whoa. <laughs> it's all connected, folks. Um, So they were very apprehensive about going with Amos Duncan because uh, of the respect and how they were mourning the professor. But in this panel, it looks like they were expecting uh, Foggy Nelson to be at the mansion to go over the will. I don't know. Scott says, forgive me to be, for being startled to find you here. I, I guess none of us has really been himself lately. So I don't know. Maybe he made an appointment and then forgot about it. So presumably, we don't get to see this, but they followed uh, Amos Duncan back to the mansion or, or had Amos Duncan follow them back to the mansion. And then they said, wait here. We've got to go talk to Foggy real quick. Amos <laughs> Duncan of the FBI is like, no problem, son. Take your time. I'm just the government. In uh, in this same panel, um, Iceman is in the shadows now, thinking about scissors. <laughs> he is in the background, isn't he? Why can't I just get away from these people? <laughs> Somewhere there's a puppy dog that has a tail that needs to be broken. <laughs> Marvel Girl's latent tele or telepathic powers just hasn't quite picked up on this yet. <laughs> Uh, so Foggy's going through the will reading, uh, and um, basically 
what happens is uh, everything is left to the X-Men through the... um, through Cyclops. So Cyclops is going to administer the mansion, the professor's money, the professor's scientific equipment, and all that sort of stuff. He and, is the trustee. Yeah, and everything else uh, that Cyclops or the school doesn't want will be sent off to charity. It's a very bland speech that Foggy gives, but as we flip through the various X-Men's thought balloons, they're all very moved, like, oh, we were, we were his only family. Uh, we must carry on. And then Marvel Girl, she can't take it any longer. Rough stuff. She She's starting to cry. I don't know how much more of this I can take. If it goes on any longer, I'll burst. I'll explode onto the... Or what? Wait, oh. no. <laughs> Uh yeah, and Iceman is he's back there just thinking about how he's gonna smash some toads with baseball bats. It's really, it's really weird. Uh, and then so Foggy he finishes up and says, you know, uh, that's it, everybody. Uh, this will all be tied up in probate, but uh, you know, we'll we'll take care of you the best we can. And off he goes. And they trust him because you know. He's trustworthy. He's got a nice face. He's Foggy Nelson. He's the partner of uh, Matt Murdock. How could you not oh, trust him? The Daredevil? Yeah, the Daredevil. Whoa. Apparently Foggy Nelson is running for mayor or something. Oh, district attorney. Yeah, so that's what we get in the uh, little asterisk there. The editor's That's what's there. happening over in Daredevil. So check out the Daredevil podcast for the district attorney's election, which I'm sure will be riveting. I believe he's called Darecast or Pod Devil. Sure, why not? So, uh, with him, go- with Foggy taken off in his red convertible, they revisit Mr. Amos Duncan of the FBI, and they are curious as to what he, what his message could be. He says it's a matter of such grave importance that it may well affect the future of the entire world. Remember that for later. Yeah, this is going to be cataclysmic. The only thing I can figure out, if it's going to threaten the whole world, is that somehow the juggernaut has escaped. But the the or the yeah the juggernaut has escaped and the government has captured him in some sort of superhero or super villain prison type thing. But the juggernaut's too strong and he's just just about to break through. And the only people that can stop him is the juggernaut. Or, I mean the X Men. What do you think about that? I think you're stretching it, but hey. <laughs> You got a good imagination, pal. If I was writing the X-Men, that's exactly what would be happening. But how would you explain how the Juggernaut got out of the Crimson Cosmos? You know what? I don't even think I would. Oh. <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> Just have the have the X-Men be like, "Hey, Juggernaut, how'd you get out of the Crimson Cosmos?" and Juggernaut being like, shut up and then he just like punches the all of the X-Men all at once. They all go flying back, and at that point it just becomes irrelevant. Or he just says, I just did. And then, you know. I'm not telling. <laughs> well, anyways, let's turn the page and find out uh, what Amos Duncan's big news is. Oh, wait. Amos Duncan's news is not on the next page. It's the juggernaut no. in some it's sort of limbo land. Floating around in the crimson, crimson cosmos. Yeah. Apparently, he's just been kind of floating around. It's kind of like Asgard, except there's a lot less colors. <laughs> it's just pink and light pink and reds. Lots of pinks and reds. 
And he's just oh, in the next panel, it's got some blues and greens. Yeah, and he so he's just kind of aimlessly wandering around. Uh, there doesn't appear to be any ground to speak of, so he's just aimlessly floating around. He hasn't gotten to that point where he's ready to change his name yet, but he's getting there. Yeah. So uh, then we, with a big, powerful Zask, he disappears and reappears in the laboratory of Charles Xavier. He's done it, just like I knew he would. My stupid stepbrother has freed me from the Crimson Cosmos. What? <laughs> why would I thought he was dead? <laughs> I thought he was dead too. Why would he? Why would he free him? That doesn't make any sense. So he says, "This time there will be no one to defeat me. This time the Juggernaut will win. Nothing on Earth can stop me." Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's back, and supposedly the the uh, professor set off like a time delayed juggernaut rescue machine yeah and uh so juggernaut's like i better stop the x-men because they protect the professor and uh i'm gonna go kill him right now yep here i go but before i go i'm gonna smash this machine that brought me back so that it can never return me there's a smart move now the juggernaut walks the earth for good so bring on the x-men do you think the Juggernaut has a house or an apartment? The Jugger house? <laughs> well, he's got to eat, right? And he's got to have a change of Juggernaut armor somewhere. Otherwise, I mean, that, that suit would get pretty stinky after a while, right? It's got a, like, shower mode in it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, he came and attacked the X-Men way back in, what, like, issue 14 or something like that? It was a two-parter. And then what? How did they defeat him that first time? Well, what did they do? No, they they uh they they wiped his mind, didn't they? Yeah, they ripped off his helmet and wiped his mind, and then the professor had him in his lab for a long time. Oh yeah, and then he said, "Oh, I can't let anybody down here in my lab. I don't want them to see what's going on." And the juggernaut got loose. Yeah, and he and, regained his memory. Uh, went to the airport. He regained his memory. Oh, because of Factor Three, and then he also developed a force field. Right. Right, okay. My guess is that the Crimson Bands of Sidorak also has, like, it, it It smells like flowers, and it never smells bad. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're the juggernaut, do you really care if you stink? I'm just saying, like, he's got to eat, right? Or And sleep? Maybe not. You think he Maybe just... Maybe not. Well, that'd be a horrible existence. No wonder he's so angry. He's just like, <laughs> I never sleep, I never eat, I just walk the earth. <laughs> I'm like evil Kane from Kung Fu. He doesn't have to use the bathroom either. Oh, yeah, 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 because, well, okay. So anyways, I'm just wondering, like, who's, you know, feeding the the jugger cat and, you know, watering (laughs) his flowers and, you know, does he still have electricity as an apartment? Because, you know, he's been gone for quite a while. Anyhow, okay. Jugger smash! (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, uh, the X-Men decide to leave Agent Duncan before they can get this earth-shattering news and they get dressed in their X-suits. Apparently Cyclops heard a noise and determined that the X-Men, or at least Beast and Angel, needed to go with him to check out the noise. Yeah. In your copy of uh, uh, this comic, is Cyclops' underwear colored in, or is it... It is yellow. Oh, mine's white. So it looks like he's wearing underwear briefs. (laughs) (laughs) He just forgot that part of his costume. Quickly! Oh, shoot. I forgot my yellow (laughs) briefs. 
Fancy. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, Beast thinks it was an excuse to get away from the Agent Duncan, and uh, Cyclops says, no, I felt the tremor. So they instantly go down to the professor's laboratory. They see the Juggernaut smashing everything, and the Juggernaut's actually pretty surprised. What? The X-Men? You showed up even quicker than I expected. Yeah, keep your eyes glued to him. Be ready to jump when he makes a move. That's Cyclops. Um, They were always afraid that one day he would return, and this is the day. But how? And why at a time like this? And uh, the the Juggernaut continues going on with his. I mean, it's kind of like he his personality's uh, devolved a little. He's like, how? <laughs> well, he's, how have I always managed to return through the stupidity of my stepbrother's eternal hope? There's a lot of like stupid this and stupidity that and stupid stupid. I mean, it's like you know, I, he kind of reverted a few years while he was in the Crimson Cosmos there. <laughs> Juggernaut and Cyclops determined that the machine that the professor built must have been automatically set to pull him back into the uh, human world at some predetermined time. So Cyclops says, then that explains why we've never seen the machine before. No, that doesn't explain why you've never seen the machine before. The reason you've never seen that machine machine before is because the professor never trusted any of you. Yes. And yes. he just built crazy things. There's things you don't even know about that are still in there, and they're not for any reason you can possibly comprehend. They're just there because he doesn't like you, <laughs> and he never did. Yeah, it's too bad. It's really sad. The X-Men really just need to move on. <laughs> Iceman shows up. He's in the back. Uh, yeah, and uh, um, let's see. Uh, the professor... I'm sorry. Um... So then Juggernaut's saying that, you know, this is the last time that I'm going to be zapped back and forth because this time I'll finish the professor for good, to which uh, Cyclops says, What? Then you don't know? Yeah. What? What are you talking about, don't know what? Stupid brother, come fight, kill now. Then you've come too late. Stupid circles talking in you are. This is stupid. <laughs> Wait, he's not that bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, Angel jumps in and says, hey, Cyclops is trying to tell you that uh, something's happened since you last faced him. He's trying to say that Professor, Professor X, is X is dead. And this is where Juggernaut throws a tantrum. No! <laughs> You're lying, trying to trick me! I wanted a toy, and you took me to the food store. I'll kill you. You're going to die, all of you. <laughs> uh, so with that, the Juggernaut punches um, Beast through... Knocking him yeah, unconscious through, or something? Uh, through a machine, so uh, he's got to be unconscious after a punch like that. Um, uh, I guess it was the Auxiliary Supply Generator. And it's shooting bolts of sheer electrical power all over the room. Angel gets zapped by that electrical power. Takes him out? Yep. And then uh, Juggernaut throws a piece of metal at uh, Cyclops. Which he dodges out of the way, but it continues on its way straight towards Jean Grey. So Cyclops whips around and zacks it. He disintegrates it. I didn't think his... Uh, I thought it was force beams. Like, he should have just pushed it away. 
So I've been thinking about this. In this issue, Marvel Girl has thought a few things like, oh, the professor, I miss him so much, and he was so young. But this is the first time she audibly speaks, and she says, what? <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is, uh, if there's a piece of metal hand, he- heading towards Marvel Girl, and you're a true um, fighting force, do you do anything about that piece of metal, or do you trust that Marvel Girl's trained well enough to be like, oh, a piece of metal is hurling at me. I think I'll use my telekinesis to deflect it. Well, this is Scott, and he's worried about Jean Grey, so he's like putting himself in the way of any possibility that Jean Grey might get hurt, even though she she's probably the one who disintegrated it, actually. Probably, and Cyclops is just like, look what I did! <laughs> <laughs> right. Girl, no, do nothing. Me, do all. <laughs> uh, because you're right. Cyclops, uh, his power is force-related. Um, so it would take a heck of a lot of force to disintegrate a piece of metal. A lot of force. So the best he could do is deflect it. So we'll just assume that Jean Grey took care of it. The Juggernaut... Um... Your armor's going to get tarnished in a hurry, White Knight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. When that caused this energizer to blow sky high by clogging its air intake. So this is Cyclops jumps in the way again and uh, says that he must try to shield Gene. Oh, but the shockwaves are too much. I'm starting to black out. And this is where Gene gets her second set of audible dialogue when she says, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess they're both out for the count. Iceman's the only one who's still awake. Oh, jeez. And uh, probably because he was off in the corner thinking about death. This is how you know that, like, they were really stretching for material. Because typically Iceman comes along and says, I'll freeze you in a block of ice. And then he freezes somebody in a block of ice. And that all happens in one panel. And then in the next panel, whoever the villain is, like, breaks out of the ice and says, Ha-ha, you fool, I've gotten free, for I have this power. They stretch this out to five panels of Iceman freezing Cyclops, or I mean the Juggernaut. Well, they kind of explain it a little bit. I mean, he freezes him over, then the Juggernaut starts busting out. And as soon as the Juggernaut starts busting out, uh, Iceman pours more ice on him, keeping him keeping him frozen in place and just keeps pouring it on. And then the uh, as the Juggernaut is busting himself out, he kind of maneuvers himself into a particular position and somehow manages to, uh, the next time he breaks out, throws the ice back at Iceman. Knocking him out. Right. It still takes five panels to happen. I mean, this is the juggernaut, for God's sakes. Yeah, well, you know, got to fill a page. <laughs> I mean, this might work on, like, Mastermind or somebody, but but even Mastermind can break out of an ice uh, uh, chunk, would be my guess. Okay, so now he's like, all right, all the X-Men have been taken care of handily, I might add. Uh, And now he's got to find and destroy Professor X. So he breaks through a wall because Fred Duncan is out there. He's like, man, I'm thirsty. I could use some Kool-Aid. Oh, this is Amos Duncan. Oh, I'm sorry, because Fred Duncan's (laughs) not in this issue. It's just Amos Duncan. Well, he's not in this issue yet. (laughs) Amos Duncan just says, I could go for something to drink. And that's when Juggernaut bursts through the wall and says, oh, yeah. But then he drops a picture (laughs) of Kool-Aid. No. uh, So, yeah, uh, he busts through the wall and tell me where you, whoever you are, anybody. Literally, at this point, he's like looking for anybody saying, where's Charles Xavier? 
where's Charles Xavier? Where's Charles Xavier? Tell me or die. Who? <laughs> and Amos Duncan is what? In blazes? The man called Professor X is dead. But where are the X-Men? At this point, the juggernaut says, nobody questions the juggernaut, buddy. He lifts up Amos Duncan and smashes his head into the ceiling, killing him instantly. And then throws him out the window, just in case you were thought maybe he could have survived that. Now he has a two-story fall out the window. Yes, to add insult to injury, he throws him through a plate glass window and into, I'm going to say, a thorny rose bush. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the worst way to go. Uh, so Amos he... Duncan is dead. Long live Amos Duncan. <laughs> yeah, so maybe Fred Duncan will come to get his remains in a little while. Meanwhile, uh, Juggernaut's still kind of pounding around uh, the mansion saying, Oh, he, they must have hidden him. Where is he? He can't be dead. There's only one yeah, way he, to he, find out. He's stomping around like an angry toddler. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just like that earlier tantrum he threw. He's got his arms up in the air doing like miniature fist pumps and he's stomping around. I'm angry! <laughs> So the X-Men, uh, it says a short time later, or what does it say? Um, well, he's going to go off, Juggernaut's going to go off and find out the only way to find out if the professor's alive or not. Meanwhile, the rest of the X-Men wake up from their um, their bell ringing of sorts that they just had. I'm going to presume that it's an hour later. You think so? Yeah. I think it's like 10 minutes later. Half an hour. Let's uh, compromise. 30 minutes later. And the fight probably took about 15 minutes. It was a pretty quick fight. Yeah. Okay, so they're at 45 minutes since the uh, the Juggernaut's been resurrected from the Crimson Cosmos. This may be important. (laughs) Who knows? I'm just making stuff up at this point. So the angel, he takes to the sky to go see if he can find the Juggernaut. Uh, The rest of the X-Men are uh, right behind him. And uh, the Juggernaut is in front of Professor Xavier's grave. He's actually dead. Oh. Oh, man. Darn, <laughs> darn, darn, darn. Uh, yeah, so uh, the angel sees the juggernaut and uses the only move that he has, which is to swoop down and punch him in the chest. Which he does successfully for maybe the first time in a while. He, well, he does punch the juggernaut in the chest, but this is the juggernaut. <laughs> juggernaut, yeah, definitely does not fall down. Instead, he it looks like he grabs the ground. And smashes it, or maybe he destroys the grave and smashes it into uh, Angel. I don't know. He he's throwing something at him. It's like there's little balls that he's throwing at him. They almost look like Iceman's ice balls, but I don't know what. Yeah. They are. So yeah, he he uh, he just yeah he takes uh, Angel out and he's about to go in for the kill by doing a belly flop onto An- or onto Angel. When Marvel Girl springs into action, she doesn't say anything. Mind you, still thinking. He's almost got Warren. Must stop him long enough for the others to act. So she freezes him basically in place as he's about to jump on top of the angel. So her skills have been improving. I I, I remember a time when she couldn't pick up the beast, much less the juggernaut. Yeah. And so uh, Iceman, he creates a giant ice baseball and gives it to the beast for the beast to hurl at the juggernaut. Now, why doesn't Iceman just hurl it as a juggernaut? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Iceman can project ice from his body or something. He can make ice shields. He can 
hurl ice spears and ice javelins? Why is he making a ball for the juggernaut? I mean, for uh, the beast to throw. My guess is Gary Friedrich. Aha. That might explain a lot. <laughs> so Gary we... Friedrich has his whole concept of what the X-Men are. He hasn't read any back issues. He goes like to Roy Thomas for some advice. He's like, what should I do now? Uh, Juggernaut. He's in the Crimson, Crimson Cosmos. Yeah. Okay. Jean I'll Gray's do it got, from there. Jean Grey's got red hair. Go, kid. You're going to be <laughs> wonderful. Stan Lee, meanwhile, is like, yeah, this ain't Spider-Man. I ain't going to edit it. Go, go. You're good. Amos Duncan, sure, sure, that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> so on the next page, uh, we discover that the uh, Juggernaut has yet another new power. He can hurl globules of sheer energy. And um, the X-Men dodge out of the way, making sure not to get touched by them, and with good reason, because one of them hits a nearby tree, bracking it in half. Brack. Uh, Marvel Girl is featured prominently in the fifth panel, though still not talking, only thinking. I like this panel a lot, actually. It is actually a pretty good drawing. I like uh, she's well drawn, and then there's those little little starry things in the background. Uh, but she says that her only hope is that if she can reach the Juggernaut's mind with a mental bolt, and she says it here that she has had so little time to develop the powers that the professor developed in me. Uh, but I must try, blah, 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 blah. So this tells me uh, in previous issues, it's been inferred or outright said that the professor gave Marvel Girl some some, tele, some tele, telepathy. And in here, right. she's kind of confirming that, well, I've had this all along, but the professor just kind of has been working with me to, to harness its power. And that makes a lot more Jesus. sense to me. Yeah, that's what I choose to believe. Mm-hmm. Well, and I believe that's what the Marvel Universe will come to be as we progress on. What I don't understand, though, is how her mental bolt is able to get through the Juggernaut's helmet. Well, you Something s- that Professor X could not do. Well, you see, Adam, when the Professor banished, or when the, the Juggernaut was banished to the Crimson Cosmos and uh, the Professor set up his machine to retrieve the Juggernaut after a set amount of time, he also programmed in it to leave that piece of his helmet behind. So you see, <laughs> so there's a patch of helmet missing on the back. Yeah, well, it, it, I think doesn't uh, the Juggernaut has a like a skull cap, and then he's got this dome cap. So he's actually wearing like two helmets. Mm-hmm. And it's the, so you think it's the skull cap that's the real thing, deal? It, yeah, the skull cap is the thing that keeps the psychic energies out of his head. That's what I choose to believe anyways. Okay. All right. I'll I'll go for that right now. (laughs) And uh, we know that this is true because the juggernaut's complaining about the sharp stabbing pain in his head. It's stabbing him like a knife. The pain is so great. I can't can't stand it. I'm going to stumble around until I find somebody to kill. Oh, I just tripped over somebody that feels like the angel. I'm going to kill him. He also says, only Professor X could do this to me. He must be alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. So he he grabs the angel and he says, you make with my stepbrother, my stupid, stupid stepbrother. (laughs) (laughs) Make him take the pressure off my brain or I'll kill this guy. And right before your eyes. Hey, Marvel Girl gets some more dialogue. Oh, she gets a little bit more dialogue, yeah. Some actual words this time. (laughs) No, don't harm him. I'll stop the mental bolts. 
It's the professor is dead, Marco, but Marvel Girl has some some of his powers now. It's true. I swear it. Surely you can feel that the suggestions I bombarded you have stopped. She's not very good with these new powers. So here we are at uh, this, this moment. The X-Men are facing off with the Juggernaut. The Juggernaut's got Angel. Um, it's, a, it's literally a Mexican standoff. What could possibly happen next? The if, X-Men are powerless. If the Juggernaut lets go of the Angel, then the X-Men will take him down. If the X-Men attack Juggernaut, Juggernaut will destroy the Angel. Wow. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm so impressed that they got us here, and I can't wait to see what they do to get us out of this mess. I mean, this, this has some serious, exciting action. This, this, this says, this says adventure, excitement. This is probably going to go on. We're, we're at page 13 now, so it's probably going to be a two-parter. Oh, yeah. A couple more pages of how they're going to deal with the situation or or maybe a couple of things to kind of uh, bring up the ante a little bit. Maybe, you know, somebody else gets knocked down or something or just something crazy like that. Uh, and then we go into next issue with, like, the ultimate showdown between the X-Men and the Juggernaut. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen here, right? Yeah, I, I have to say something exciting is going to happen. They've built this all up, so clearly, clearly they had a plan here. Okay. Uh, so let's take a look at the very next panel, and let's see what's happening here. Oh, look, the juggernaut's disappearing. Oh, oh, oh! He says, "No." Do you remember uh, 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 episode three of Star Wars when uh, Darth Vader goes, "No"? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what the juggernaut's doing right there. Where's Padme? She's dead. No. <laughs> It's happening again, just like before. Somehow I'm being taken back, back to where I came from. He's disappearing, just like when the professor sent him into the Crimson Cosmos. But with the professor gone, how? Yes, indeed. And we turn the page and uh, Juggernaut's completely gone. The battle's over. Sigh. There's only one possible answer, Adam. Says Scott. And that... Only one singular possible answer is that, knowing his professor's evil power, he arranged for the effects of his device to wear off shortly if he wasn't otherwise treated. So in other words, as we uh, earlier talked about, we had about 45 minutes between the time in which Juggernaut came back from the Crimson Cosmos to where he was pounding his fists in rage at the... Uh, gravestone maybe another 15 minutes for the x-men to show up and have this uh you know mexican standoff so literally the timer was set for one hour yeah and my question is this now the juggernaut let's just say he gets out of the crimson cosmos he's got one hour to seek treatment so he gets out and he's like oh i'm so angry at those x-men and my brother and uh, you know i really have some anger management problems i i want to <laughs> seek some treatment i I, so he he's in Westchester, right? So he's got to probably get to the city, right, in order to get, like, some real treatment or whatever. So he hails a cab, gets in there. The cabbie's kind of like, eh, it's a little crazy, but he's offering to tip pretty high. So I'm going to take him. <laughs> Plus, he smells god-awful. He needs a shower. <laughs> Takes him to the city. And on the way, because I believe Westchester's probably, what, a good 45 minutes to an hour away from the city, uh, he disappears back to the Crimson Cosmos. I mean, what was what was the professor's uh, 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 test for whether or not he had gotten some treatment? 
what we don't know is this has happened like 10 or 20 times before. Just he hasn't bumped into anybody before. <laughs> Juggernaut's just been in the lab for like hours at a time. Like, where is he? Oh, I'm going back. Uh, yeah. That's, Not again. Uh... <laughs> Why does this keep happening? <laughs> it's... <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's it's like the Groundhog's Day of uh, the X-Men universe. Okay, so uh, there you go. Uh, meanwhile... Uh, a agent of the FBI who cannot be Amos Duncan because we saw Amos Duncan get his head smashed in. And also this guy has gray, or I'm sorry, brown hair, not orange hair. Right. Walks onto the scene. So Cyclops refers to him as Agent Duncan and the agent says, sorry I didn't get here sooner, Scott. But I had a little run-in with the juggernaut myself. So... Fred Duncan, in the half hour that the X-Men were unconscious, he must have bumped into the Juggernaut and saw his dead brother. My my guess is that uh, Amos was like, hey, let's have a reunion over at the X-Mansion. Why don't you meet me there? I got some news to drop on the X-Men. You can be there with me. So Fred's like, yeah, 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 I, I got a, an errand to run, but I'll, I'll be there about an hour or so after uh, you show up. No problem. So as he's as he's getting there, he's uh, driving to the mansion. Uh, the Juggernaut is crossing the road, and Fred's like, "Oh my God, that's the Juggernaut!" And he stops his car. And the Juggernaut glares at him and says, oh, "I'm gonna kill my stupid brother!" And then he walks off. <laughs> and Fred's like, "Oh my God, I just had a run in with the Juggernaut. I better go tell the X Men." That's yeah, that could be what happened. That's my theory. Uh, so Fred, he he, but this is where kind of doesn't. Uh, well, he, he actually, he's he's here to deliver the news that Amos was about to deliver. Actually, I think Amos was about to deliver a, a much more threatening, impressive set of news. But uh, as Amos has died, that that amazing news is about to get replaced by the news that Fred has, which is a much, much lesser bit of news. Right, because uh, Amos's news was uh, going to change the world. Yeah, that news died with Amos, I okay. think. Okay. So Fred's got news, but it's not Earth-changing news. No, it's pretty much that the X-Men have to split up or else. No, no, no. Because this is this proves that it is mandatory that you split up. <laughs> Do you see the text? It's red, bold-faced type. Oh, okay. That's how you have to read that. It is, it is pretty unnecessarily large. He's, shout, he's screaming at the top of his lungs. I just wanted to let you know that it's mandatory that you split up. <laughs> Jeez, Fred, you don't have to yell. Uh, so that I guess the reason behind this is wherever the X Men go, danger goes, or maybe they no, no, it's that they can cover more ground if they split up. Yeah, they shouldn't all be in one place because they make too much of a target for the ever-growing population of evil mutants. And that, coupled with the fact that you can be much more effective if you spread yourselves out across the country. Yeah, right. Like, these guys can do anything when they're by themselves. So, um, Fred's going to drop this news off with the Fantastic Four and the Avengers being like, you know, you guys have had a pretty good run as a team, but you keep, you know, these evil people keep coming up. So we want you to split up and uh, cover more ground. <laughs> no, just just the mutants. People oh. don't like mutants. Uh, and apparently uh, this is not uh, a suggestion or a recommendation or anything like that. It is an order. Yep. Beast points out that it's unquestionably unconstitutional. Nobody can tell us where to live or what to do. 
Scott's like, yeah, he knows that. But I also think he's right when he says we could fight more evil mutants effectively if we were spread out. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, they think about it for a little while, I guess, because uh, it, it was daylight and now it's kind of dusk. And they're inside the mansion, and uh, Cyclops is mold this over. And even though he doesn't have a choice, he decides to try to make it his choice and says, Therefore, since I'm deputy leader, and since I feel the professor would want us to do as Duncan asks, I'm ordering you all to start packing of this moment. The X-Men no longer exist as a team. Which explains why the X-Men title has been getting progressively smaller on the, the page, the cover of each issue. Why? Because they're completely ineffective, or because they no longer exist as a team. Oh. This is this was a subtle hint that the X Men were disappearing as we know them. So from here on out, it's going to be X Men presents a Cyclops yeah. adventure. Exactly. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they pack up. We got some heartfelt shakes or handshaking, and Marvel girls like, "Oh, I'm losing my family." Didn't she have to go back to college or something? Whatever happened with that? Uh, yeah, they kind of dropped that plot. Um, was it Ted and... Williams or somebody who's like literally waiting back at college? Like, where's where's Jean? <laughs> <laughs> she told me to hold her books like two months ago. And she hasn't been back, and she acts like this is her only family. Yeah, she's got a she's got a she's got parents. She's got Professor Gray and her mom, whatever her name is. Yeah, and a sister. She got a sister too. Hmm. Well, anyways. Um, yeah, so uh, she's all up. Everybody's all upset, and uh, Cyclops and Marvel Girl are thinking to one another, "This may be the last time I get to see the person I love." Am I gonna let her just walk out of my life? Yes, yes, you are. He he isn't going to come after me. Maybe he doesn't care after all. Yep. Next issue, the macabre menace of the man called Maya Yohi. Or Mahayogi. <laughs> Mahayogi. And Mahabubu. <laughs> and Maha Park Ranger. And Picnic Baskets. Okay, well, that was a wonderful... Uh... Excuse me, they are Picnic Baskets. <laughs> Excuse me. You're right. Um, so there you go, folks. That is the very short re-emergence of the Juggernaut. And his very... He appeared. He disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the X-Men, this is a completely unnecessary issue. If the well, X-Men would have just been like, you know what? We're going to go head out to Carl's Jr. and get ourselves a burger. We'll be back. By that time, the Juggernaut would have been beamed back to the <laughs> Crimson Cosmos. Well, they had to get rid of Amos Duncan somehow. I mean, they really, they really had a conundrum when they drew that character into the story in this issue. All right. But the real story, if you look up Fred Duncan in the official Marvel Wikipedia, what's Fred Duncan's full name? Fred Amos Duncan. Wait a second. <laughs> Do you mean to tell me that they made a mistake on the comic book but then retconned him to say that his he was Fred Amos Duncan this whole time? Need I mention Cyberno? <laughs> ah, yes, Cyberno. <laughs> I wonder how many more of these we'll encounter. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen with Magneto's uh, psychic abilities. Ah, uh, yes. I'm sure that'll just never be mentioned again. <laughs> Although I'm surprised, like, in some official Marvel Age history compendium or whatever they call those things, there isn't some reference to, you know, 
Magneto was beamed out to space by the stranger, and that process negated his psychic abilities. Or Magneto fell on the rocks, and that negated his psychic abilities. Oh, maybe. Because he did fall on the rocks. Maybe you're right. Maybe he bumps his head, and he never gets his psychic powers back. Yeah. I can't wait for the next Magneto story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways... Uh, so there you go, folks. That was the end of uh, that issue. Uh, but Wait, what do you mean? Magneto's dead. Oh, yes. Magneto will never come back. Uh, yes. Marvel wouldn't do something like that. No, because he's dead. We all saw him not land on the rocks, but get really close to landing on the rocks. Yeah. But clearly, yeah. he landed on the rocks. Right. I mean, they didn't want to yeah. show, like bloody graphic bone fragments laying in the ocean that would represent Magneto's brain, right? That Comics code, they would never put up for that. I mean, he's dead. His helmet clearly came off, which is a sign of death. And he's floating around in the water, so he's dead. Well, uh, just like all of these recent issues, uh, we are treated with another continuing origin story. This one continues. The origins of the Uncanny X-Men. Yes, this uh, continues the origin of Iceman. It uh, is also scripted by Gary Frederick, penciled by George Tusca, inked by Jarn Tortiglioni, and lettered by Artie Simic. And this one's titled, And Then There Were Two... Dun, dun, dun. The yeah. two in question are Cyclops and Iceman. So, who are currently surrounded by a bunch of country bumpkins. When we last left when we last left the Iceman origin, Iceman and Cyclops had depleted all of their powers by using them too much or something. I don't know. They were laying on the ground like, Oh, how are your powers? Oh, I don't have any good powers. You don't have any powers? No, I don't have any powers. So even though Iceman is still iced up, he apparently can't do anything with his power and as we've seen, Cyclops never truly runs out of power. He just kinda gets a little weaker, but Apparently, neither of them can use their powers. Right. Um, there's a lot of crazy people here that are like, come on, boys, let's get a rope and stretch their necks out. Yep, there's going to be a hanging. We's going to hang them. We're going to string them up. And the, the sheriff, he comes out, and he's like, hold it. There'll be no lynchings in this town as long as I'm sheriff. Now, I thought we were in I don't Iowa or something like that. I didn't think we were in like 1877 <laughs> Texas. Well, he says this ain't the Wild West anymore, so it clearly must be in the West. They got they got shotguns, and if we go on to the next page, I mean, they're outside of a, a wooden barn, and there's a chicken in the middle of the road. I'm surprised yeah. there's not like a wagon wheel and some hitching posts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, geez. If the story's like following like the 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 X Men's age, I mean, Bobby's probably fifteen, which is two years earlier than what we're dealing with now. So it's like nineteen sixty four, and these people are running around with shotguns outside of an old barn. Well, whatever. Yeehaw! <laughs> yeah, so they uh, they, somebody lassoes Iceman. Yep, and they take the sheriff, and they're like, you just hold real still, sheriff. We don't mean to hurt you. And they pull him away and And the sheriff's like, wait, wait, you fools. If you go through this, you'll be in jail. 
This is a crazy town. There's no respect for the law, no respect for the sheriff. Clam up law, dog, says one of them. They, they got people that can actually tie a lasso and throw a lasso and hook two people. And then they talk about, uh, all right, we're going we're gonna to drag you now, but we won't drag you too fast. Cyclops tells Iceman that uh, they, they need to stall for time so he can build his power up and uh, that Iceman should be doing the same thing. Yeah, they both feel their power's uh, slightly coming back, so they're waiting for the right moment. Uh, meanwhile, there's a guy in the background who has uh, taken the time to tie a noose and has slung it over a tree. They're moving fast. There's going to be a hanging. I'm surprised they don't like put them on horses and gird, you know, kick the back of the horses so when the horses take off, they just hang there on the tree. They're going to be lynching. I think I saw that in a movie once. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, a Rolls Royce comes speeding down the highway. And uh, he's like, oh, I got to talk to Cyclops. It's totally Charles Xavier. It's totally Charles Xavier. Driving somehow with his limp leg contraption. Oh, he's got like a finger gas pedal and a finger, <laughs> finger brake. Right, right. He's driving with his telepathy. <laughs> He's that could be. I, I, I'll buy that. <laughs> if he can mentally find switches and bombs in the wall, he can mentally drive. Come on. Okay. <laughs> He's got uh, Cybernos uh, actually in the car. <laughs> <laughs> now, is he mentally pushing the pedals or is he mentally moving the entire car? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think he's mentally telling the car to push the gas pedal. Hmm. The car's like, okay. <laughs> I'm on it. It's like Herbie, but, you know, Rolls-Royce Herbie. He's mentally making the car feel good about itself. Oh, this is the best job ever. <laughs> he contacts Scott and says, you must break free now and head for Drake's home. It's just like, uh, whatever you're doing, uh, you're you're about to get lynched. Um, you need to break free now. Yeah. Seriously, do it now. Why Why aren't you doing it, Scott? What the hell? What are you, tied up? Here's the plan. I'm the smartest mutant on the planet with the best telepathic powers, the, the biggest brain on the planet. Here's my plan. Break free and run to Bobby's house. <laughs> That's it. No magic. Just break free, break free and run. So Cyclops does just that. His eye beams are at um, some sort of power and starts blasting him. Um... He's about to get shot, but then Iceman sees the guy who's about to shoot him and throws some ice snowballs at him. Yeah, right in his face. At, like, yeah. point blank range. He, like, runs up and just, like, boom, 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 right in the face with a bunch of ice chunks. And then, oh, man, Cyclops totally karate kicks and judo chops a guy in the face at the same time. It's quite impressive. First of all, Crack. I'm very impressed that he was able to get his foot up to the height of his basically his head and then also to add in that judo chop at the same point yeah i mean there's there's two people here that now have broken faces yep and uh, a third because he he hits another one with uh with like some sort of roundhouse smash <laughs> i think that yeah it looks like though he's like bringing his uh, uh elbow onto his face but 
the the way that the movement lines are going, it's it looks like he actually punched him in the face. But I like to believe that Cyclops just grabbed this guy and just cranked him in the face with his elbow. Like, <laughs> no holds barred. Like, you mess with me and my mutant buddy and forget it. I'll judo chop you in the face and elbow you in the throat. It's either that or like a full uppercut. I don't even care. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he's never been so action-packed in the series as <laughs> as he was in his very first adventure. The goons get their guns out, and remembering that they have guns, and start shooting at Cyclops and X-Men. Cyclops just falls over dead, it looks like. <laughs> looks like he gets shot in the back. Uh, there's a guy in the background who, who apparently does a uh, dive, and his hat flies off. Very, very funny. I'm jumping into the bushes! Whoa, this just got real, everybody. I didn't think we was going to be shooting. I just I was just out for a lynching. Or a mackerel. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, so then Iceman, who says, I don't know if he's gotten the full gist of the professor's, the professor's plan, but he says, just follow me, pal. I'll lead you to my place, which apparently is goal or whatever. <laughs> oh, T.T., you can't touch me here. I'm at my house. <laughs> Safety. <laughs> So they, they run off. They lead into a different direction, and um, the citizens of town following them run into a different direction. They they lose them. One of the lead bumpkins says, we can cut them off at the pass. Let's get them. We'll smoke them out if we have to. Uh, so they uh, run, and uh, they're in an alley, and then uh, Cyclops, on this third panel falls on his chest. I don't know what's going on here, but everything is in a different perspective. The garbage can is going one way, a box is going a different way, and I don't know which way he's going, but it's definitely not the same way as the garbage can. I think it's supposed to be a downward shot, but it's not a very well done downward shot. It's supposed to be, I think, him going, con, but it's, <laughs> it's looks like he fell on his face and he's just kind of looking up. I don't know. It's it's a very odd perspective shot. But anyways, they get back to Bobby's house. And at Bobby's house, the professor is waiting. And he's like, don't worry about the mob. I've taken care of them. He must have called them off. Uh, he wiped the mob's memories. Sure, why not? Just like that. I don't know why he didn't do it earlier. When... Well, we've discussed this before. The professor has a proximity limit. He can't go too far i think he was just testing them yeah let's let's see what they can do let's see if they follow my directions to the uh to the to the letter without asking any questions <laughs> break free and go to bobby's house it's gonna be this it's gonna be the stupidest plan ever but if they go for it they're mine <laughs> <laughs> they're mine so the professor then asks bobby if he's willing to join the team Bobby says, it sounds good to me, but what about my folks? Oh, don't worry about them. I'll just mind wipe them. <laughs> to which Bobby says, then I guess that settles it. <laughs> well, All see you later. for me is to say my goodbyes. So he's hugging his mom, and his mom's like, who are you? I don't remember you. Well, no, the professor's only wiping their memory of his having a mutant power. Why are you hugging me? Boy, you're freaking me out. <laughs> They will only know that you are a student at my school. Scott, today say goodbye to the X-Man and begin the era of 
the X-Men. What are they going to do when they get Gene? Are they going to rename it the X-Team? The X-People. The X-Folks. <laughs> the X-Folks. I like it. The X-Folks. Uh, next issue, kiddies, we get the special feature giving us the inside info of Iceman's power, which basically means five meaningless pages of demonstrations of Iceman putting people into frozen blocks. No way, man. I love those. <laughs> it's going to be Iceman putting people into frozen blocks and creating spears. And uh, what else does Iceman do? Creates things out of ice, throws snowballs at people. He made an ice grappling hook once, and I think he made an ice boomerang. Oh, there's that ice horse. An ice horse, ice slides, ice shields. He'll he'll be doing some ice shields. He once made an ice uh, ramp that took whatever was being thrown at him and hurled it back at whoever the person was throwing at him. Oh, maybe we'll learn how his ice slides defy gravity. Oh yeah. Oh, that'll be worth it alone. Iceman's ice has uh, special anti-gravity properties. <laughs> Repulsors, if you will. Well, that's it, folks. Uh, this this is the second go-around for this episode, so hopefully it was good. Um, remember, you can reach us at uh, www.redcatproductions.com forward slash danger room. And check us out at facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, where... We'll give you the latest news on what's going on with the podcast and any other such delays or technical difficulties. And you can also check us out at Dad Danger Room Go. And uh, always uh, my favorite place for you guys to connect with us is the iTunes uh, reviews. Putting in like a five-star review or just, just saying a couple of nice words about us to help us attract some new listeners. Which we got a sort of new one. Yeah? It's sort of new. It's from somebody... It's a new review by somebody who already gave us a review. Get out of here. I don't know how they managed to do this, but apparently they didn't like their previous review, so they gave us a new one. You're the one that did all the research on this. Apparently, uh, who is this? What? What's the name? Uh, Puck Bunny. Puck Bunny. I just happened to be listening to episode 40 today. And uh, she was mentioned then as well. Well, here's the best thing about this comment. It says, uh, it's always a nice little treat when a new episode of The Danger Room shows up on my iTunes. Which is awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've listened to them all, and I can't get enough. Keep it up, boys. So Again, awesome. Oh, yeah, all of that is just beautiful. And then we get the XOXO, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Huh? Huh? Hopefully it's a girl. It'd be nice to have some girl fans. <laughs> Actually, call out to all the girl fans. Yeah? Speak up. We want to know all about you. Let us know if you're a girl. Yeah, and don't worry about us. We're taken, so it's not like we're going to hit on you through a podcast. That'd be weird. It's great to hear from our listeners. Uh, and uh, if you want to change your review on uh, the iTunes, that just means you get to have another shout-out. How's that sound? We got another uh, Facebook comment from Arthur W. Painter on uh, between the time that we first recorded this and the second time we recorded it. Oh, yeah? He says, were either of you guys fans of Paul O'Brien's X-Axis? Uh, the answer for me is no. Oh, I did read that. No, I, I don't. I didn't know what that was until he posted that. 
he used to do X title reviews every week and still does now on House to Astonish. He went back and indexed the original X-Men run. The X-Axis is no more, but you can still read reviews from this archive. So check it out on the Facebook if you want to read some cool reviews. I checked them out. They seemed, uh, they were they were the first 66 issues. They were pretty cool. So was it just it's just an issue-by-issue issue review? Yeah, it's like a recap and review. It's pretty okay. detailed. All right. Are they funny? Uh, yes-ish. There, there's like a miniature review that's kind of funny. So are they just more uh, just information-filled? It's more mostly information, but... Uh, that's cool. I like that. We, we have our own uh, research now we can do. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to steal the X-axis's data and present it as our own. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, well, is there anything else we need to uh, do before we go? Don't think so. All right, then. Uh, until next time, everybody, the danger room is closed. Yeah, this one comes out. Uh-huh.